Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. So I would ask you guys to all welcome up. So we've got Nat, Bakshul, Carol, Shaw, and Lynn Miller. So would you give them a round of applause as they make their way up? Uh, and so we will start with Nat. So Nat's going to share a little bit, and then we'll move through. Um, so this is going to be lots of fun. Really looking forward to what they have to say. I'm going to start with Nat. So do you want to take it away and, and just go for it? Okay. So hi, my name's Natalie, or most people call me Nat. I've, um, I have four kids. So I've got Zoe, who's one over there, Eli's three, um, Riley's nine, and Amelia's 11. Um, so what does being a mother mean to me? I feel like being a mum, like for most mothers, consumes so much of my life, my thoughts, my every day that it's become such a big part of my identity. Um, sometimes I catch myself being surprised that I am a mum, let alone a mum of four. Never thought that would happen. But um, obviously God knew what he was doing because I absolutely love having four kids. Um, I feel like being a mum for me is such a roller coaster ride. Um, from periods of being completely overwhelmed and exhausted from lack of sleep and then your baby smiles at you. And then from questioning whether I'm doing a good enough job and spending enough time with my kids and then one of my children tells me that they love me out of the blue. Um, so, and then I discover my toddler has drawn all over my newly painted wall in permanent texture, Eli. Um, and then my baby finally sleeps through the night. Um, so, and then one of my children comes home in tears because they've had an argument with their best friend and as a mum it just tears your heart out. Um, and then another child finally eats a vegetable that they'd flat out refused to eat for the last for their whole life basically. And another one is super excited that they just won their first basketball game. Such highs and lows. Um, but sprinkled with so many little and big moments of joy in there. Um, I feel like being a mum has tested me in so many ways, physically, especially at the start um, when you have a newborn, um, but also emotionally as well. Um, for me, over the past 11 years, something that I've really struggled with and I've had to continually challenge myself is my thoughts around, I guess, my expectations and my... Um, the pressure and all the shoulds that I've put on myself. So that internal dialogue. Um, oh, I shouldn't have reacted like that and yelled at the kids this morning. Oh, I should be reading the Bible to them more often. Um, I shouldn't have let them have, have so much screen time yesterday. I should be offering them more vegetables. Um, I should, I should, I should, I should. It's a lot. Um, but I think particularly as mums, we have access to so much information um, over the internet and often conflicting information. It often makes it hard to know what to do, especially with your first child, I think. Um, and then once you've had a couple of children, you know sort of roughly what to do in most situations. But then the challenge is to then give yourself grace when you don't respond how you hope you would or how you feel, know that you should and to understand that you did all that you could in that or that you had capacity to do at that time. Um, I feel like over the last 11 years, I've been able to slowly give myself um, a little bit more grace um, 
to just enjoy the kids, to relax, to really find those moments of joy within the day and just to be grateful that God has chosen me to be their mum, to slowly, slowly, slowly to get to a place where I understand more and more that these beautiful children actually belong to God, that they are his and he loves them unconditionally and that means I can then trust God that he will take care of them and help us as parents not to stuff them up too much or at least give them the finances so that we can um, uh, we can pay for their therapy when we do. Um, so for me, what I really want to do, what I really strive to do as a mum is someone who naturally lives out this verse in their daily life. So it's from Deuteronomy 6, 6 verse 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So I guess for me to point to God through that roller coaster ride, through the highs and the lows in life and for the kids to be able to see his power, his love, his grace in all things and for them to be filled to the brink with gratitude because of that. That's the kind of mum I strive to be. Um, Hi, I'm going to start my um, talk today by saying happy Mother's Day to my mum, Glennis, who is sitting in the front row here. She's been a mother for nearly 60 years, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Carol and I'm mum to six children. I've got Emily, Harry, Cameron, Emmy, Lexi and Taylor. I've been attending Lakeside for around 15 years and when I started coming here I had three teenage children. My middle child was playing Wobble which is West Australia Basketball League for Perry Lakes and my youngest has just started school at Somerville which is now Kennedy. So it made sense for us to attend here and I also had family that were coming here. It was also around this time that I was reading a book by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life and I was asking myself, what's my life purpose? And remember sitting up there in those chairs where you are now and our pastor at the time was Arthur Payne and sermon after sermon just spoke to me about being a foster mum. At the time, my youngest biological child wasn't the easiest of teenagers and our house that we were owner building and living in wasn't finished so it wasn't perfect conditions to go into it but I believe it was God's timing. My husband and I signed up for fostering, went through the extensive interview process and as soon as we crossed the last hurdle and went to panel we were asked to take two-year-old twin girls. That was at the start of 2010 and we haven't looked back. The twins are now 15 and then we got Taylor who came to us as a two-year-old in 2013 and she's still with us too. And there's been a few others along the way. I'm sure most of you have met Aisha who we had on and off over the last few years as well. Um, So I've been parenting for about 33 years and have had kids in primary or secondary school for nearly 30 years. 
there's been a lot of schools and even more school lunches. I have to say I'm pretty tired of school lunches, but thankfully the girls are old enough now that they actually make something a lot better than I would make. I have been told last week by my eldest daughter that I did provide some pretty ordinary lunches back in the day when I used to make my own homemade bread and send them to school with a Vegemite sandwich. Um, Being a mum in recent years has been noticeably different. There's been an explosion of information at our fingertips. There is so much research and um, new information on parenting. And parenting children who are neurodivergent or come from a trauma background. We are all overall working longer hours and there is more homework and it's way more complicated. One example was when my twins came home at year four and they had homework on, doing, on fronted adverbials. I had never heard of a fronted adverbial and my three older children never heard of one either and so we Googled it and we got our homework done and I still couldn't tell you what a fronted adverbial is. Um, um, a lot of the research talks about how it takes a village to raise a child and I can say how grateful I am to Lakeside for um, being my village to have other Christians who are either, I see on a Sunday, connect with on social media, basketball, youth activities and camps is just such a blessing as a family. One person in our village who has been a delight is one of our seniors called Olive. I know she isn't here today because she's moved nursing homes this week. Um, But when the twins were three, we went into the city and we saw... Queen Elizabeth and we all waved to her as she did her Perth visit in 2011 I think it was. The next Sunday we came to church and they thought Queen Elizabeth was at church. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) the next Sunday, um, yep, so Olive as only she can do, she had a great laugh about that. The girls would curtsy as they saw her each week at church. At church, and that started a friendship that's gone over for 10 years, particularly between Emmy and Olive. They love to have a chat with each other, and I just think it's beautiful that you know our seniors, you know, in this space can you know relate to the young ones as well. Our village also extends to the basketball community here at Lakeside. We are here Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and every second Sunday during wobble season. Recently, we've um, started linking up again with Taylor's biological dad and he has been coming to watch her Wednesday game. And a couple of weeks ago, I was seeing Jordan, one of our youth pastors, um, happily chatting to him and during one of Taylor's games and it really reinforced to me what Lakeside is all about. It is more than a game. It's a place where we can love and support our neighbour and be connected in our local community as a church. As I finish, I'd really like to thank you all for being part of my village. As a mum, it lightens the load for me. Life isn't picture perfect like Facebook or Instagram would like us to believe, but God has given us this village and I pray that we grow in our support for each other and that we be a friend to someone in need and encourage each other. Life isn't easy but it's really nice to know that you've got other Christians praying for you and backing you. Um, I'll finish in saying if anyone has any questions on fostering, parenting in general or even basketball, I'm always here to chat. I don't always have the answers, but I have done a lot of reading in my years and I'm happy to help keep building this village here. And an afternote is that my obnoxious teenager back in 2010 is now married, a primary school teacher and a really lovely kid. So (laughs) you get there in the end sometimes. Um, I've sort of taken a story. What it means to be a mother Where to start was my first thought. So I looked up parents in my Bible for some thoughts and realised most references to parents 
were ch to children, directing them to honour their mother and father. The first is in Exodus 20:12, honour your mother and father so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. And ending in Ephesians 6:2, with, with the same verse quoted by Paul. There are eight references to us regarding honouring our mothers and fathers, which made me think if children are commanded to honour their us, then we need, as mothers, to be honourable to deserve the honour. For me, the knowledge of impending motherhood was exciting, but also very scary. Unlike Braden's school experiences of health lessons, in the 1960s, such topics were taboo. So it was a learn as it happened to you as you experience. When I found out I would be having a baby at the end of 1973, we were on the edge of the Nullarbor Plain in a very small railway town called Rawlinna, with no road in or out, and the nearest town was Kalgoorlie just, and just dirt tracks. It was a case of pick one that looked the best and keep the railway line in sight. Once we hit the community of Xanthus, there was a dirt road for the last 80 kilometres. The whole trip took the best part of the day. We were an eight-hour train trip from Kalgoorlie. Scary was sure part of it. Rawlina had only one telephone, and that was in the postmaster's house. There was no doctor or nurse at Rawlina, and there were definitely no preparatory birthing classes. <laughs> the flying doctor came about every six weeks for a clinic and the Anglican Outback Mission sent a pastor every couple of months by train and he stayed overnight, had a service for the community and was on the next train out. Some mothers-to-be glow and some mothers-to-be throw and everything in between. I was closer to the throwers than the glowers. <laughs> But there was an upside, no excess weight after my beautiful baby boy was in my arms. Love, joy, relief and fear warred within me. I was suddenly struck with the realisation that I was responsible for more than just me and there was no going back. From my nearly 50 years of mothering, I can tell you mothering doesn't end at 18 or 21. You are a mother forever once you are on the path. But so many joys. First smile, first dadda, never mama. First tooth and so on. Starting school, riding bikes, passing exams, graduating high school, jobs and university, graduating university and at last earning enough money of their own, Childhood was filled with family holidays, even one trip to Bali, camping, picnics, laughter and jokes, but also worrying times, allergic reactions to food, bees, hairy caterpillars, bike accidents, three involving cars, none with serious injuries, thankfully, hospital stays with undiagnosed illnesses and feelings of helplessness. <clears throat> Childhood is mostly full of joy and then overnight your laughing sunny child becomes a teenager, awkward in their own body and definitely taking it out on mum and dad. When my adult children complain about their teenagers, I smile and say, it'll pass because it does, I know. But at the time, a son who spoke in grunts, even on the phone, a daughter who wanted to turn everything into a long argument, which she did with great eloquence, and a third who mostly, on the surface, went along with our rules. I learned no two children, let alone three, are the same, and even, even from the same parents, even the colour of all their hair was different. L maternal love is an amazing thing. It just keeps growing. Mothers love to share all the amazing achievements of their children with others, but beware the grandmother. Oh, the joy of married children giving you those amazing grandchildren. 
the best in the world, of course. And there's no need even to carry a brag book anymore like I did for my early grandchildren. I can whip out my phone and show you dozens of magnificent photos. What an amazing reward for surviving teenagers who became responsible adults. However, I still have strong protective feelings for them and worry about them and love them just as much. I know I didn't always get it right, but I know I tried my hardest. So when thoughts of, I could have done this or that better, differently, or not at all, I accept I am not perfect and have a lot of flaws. God forgives us when we ask, and thankfully, so do my children. We recently moved house, something we found quite traumatic. However, our children and their spouses went far and beyond in helping us, and I feel God has blessed me greatly, and I am very thankful. I pray daily for each member of my family, and I thank God for all he has given me. I pray I'm deserving of my children honouring me. So I guess to mothers much further back on your motherhood journey, hang in through the rough seasons and continue to love and pray for them in all circumstances. I wish all mothers a happy and blessed Mother's Day. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> before you leave, have I just pray for you all. Um, so if you guys want to bow your heads with us, uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for mothers, and I just want to thank you for these ladies and how they are such great role models to motherhood uh, and, and how they are also role models to be followers of you and to raise uh, children who are followers of you. Uh, we thank you for the blessing they are and being able to have the opportunity to listen to them uh, and, and share with us, and we just pray that you would continue to bless them uh, and bless their journey of motherhood. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I believe we have... Yeah, we're good? Okay, just double check. Um, I believe we've got a video. Uh, so while we're cleaning all the chairs up, uh, I think you guys can turn your attention to the screen, uh, and we will watch a quick video before getting into the rest of the message. was a cartoon character, who would she be? Mickey Mouse, because she's no better than me. She may be a love from Louie, the cartoon. Mickey Mouse. What is your mum really good at? becomes famous, what would it be for? Science. Making us do the dishes. Cooking. How does your mum make you laugh? She tickles me. She tells me funny stories. Tickles him. Tickles him. Tickles us. What is your mum not very good at? What kind of sport? Oh no. She's not very fast runner. She's not very good at swimming. She's not very good at tennis. Different. 
um, choose a female and she eats more vegetables. do when you're not around? Work. She mainly watches YouTube, YouTube or just food. Just work. Work. Where is your mum's favourite place to go? What does your mum do for a job? What is your mum's favourite thing to do? She likes to read, watch romantic, romantic comedies. What is something your mum always says to you? you just be fine. Clean up your room. <laughs> go outside. Even though I know like everything. Why is that? Why would she tell you to go outside? To practice my basketball. What makes your mum happy? Um, nothing. What makes you proud of your mum? That she cares for everyone in the house. What is your mum's favourite video game? Mario Maker 2. How do you know your mum loves you? She tells me when she gets angry. What is your wish for your mum? get into the message. I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Father, we thank you that once again that you are a great God and we just ask that as we open up your word and seek to learn from you more, uh, that you would guide us, that your spirit would be with us and help us to, to know you more and to follow uh, you more. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, what uh, those ladies were able to say is, is far greater in many ways uh, of, of sharing about motherhood and what it means to be a mother. Uh, and I, I'm in awe of what they do and what they've done and what they've shared with us. And so uh, I really appreciate what they have to say. Uh, and so my, my hope today is to kind of build on that a little bit and share a little bit about the Bible uh, and how that speaks uh, into uh, motherhood as well. Um, and one of the things that uh, I think was said is that uh, they, these mothers, they, they have this this deep desire to sacrificially create life and nurture uh, life in a very special way. Uh, despite all the pain and all the tricky things that are going on, they can still continue to sacrifice and give up their lives for their children and to love and care uh, for children around them. Uh, and that's a very special thing. And I wanted to share uh, you a story, uh, not about my mum, but a mum. Uh, I'll put, get a picture up on the screen if we can. Uh, this here is Nonna. Um, I feel like she was built for this illustration because her name is actually Nonna, which I'm pretty sure means grandma. Um, so I feel like this is a perfect time to share about Nonna. Uh, now, in, in our marriage, uh, I, I am the facilitator of adventure. Uh, 
uh, and Rach is the facilitator of keeping us grounded and safe um, in the relationship. And so we, we balance each other out really well. And so earlier this year, uh, we went on a trip uh, to Switzerland um, and, and the rest of Europe. And while we were in Switzerland, my dream, uh, regardless of how dangerous it was, uh, was to go skiing in the Swiss Alps. Uh, and, and my wife was a little more uh, precarious about that, uh, partly because uh, my coordination and, and movements are at the best of times like a baby giraffe. Um, and so she wanted to keep me safe and suggested other ideas, but I was determined that we are going skiing in the Swiss Alps, uh, even if it breaks me. Uh, and so I managed to get my way somehow because my wife is so loving, loving and generous towards me. Uh, and so as we got our, our higher ski gear and we're ready to go to the Swiss Alps with no clue of what we're doing um, and ready uh, for me to damage myself, uh, uh, we managed to come across this, this couple, uh, and mainly this lady, Nonna, uh, and she said, oh, you know, she kind of looked at us, kind of looking hopeless and nowhere, no idea where we're going, uh, and she helps us to get to the slopes. And I was like, great, that, thanks very much, like, that's a really helpful piece of advice. And then she says, come with us. Uh, and Rach was very determined. She'd planned out where we're going. We're going on the baby slopes because Braden is a baby giraffe and he's going to hurt himself otherwise. Uh, but Nonna says, come with us to the top of the mountain. Uh, and the top of the mountain is not where the bunny slopes are. Uh, and me, in my sense of adventure, says, yes, let's do it. And, and Rach is... Uh, very much trying to keep us safe and says, Braden, this isn't a good idea. And I'm like, nonsense, we're on an adventure. Uh, and so as we go up the mountain to the top, uh, despite uh, me risking life and limb of both of us, we made it to the top. Uh, and Nonna decides to drag in her husband uh, to spend the entire day uh, teaching a baby giraffe and his wife how to ski. She and her husband had been ski instructors for over 10 years. Uh, they had all this knowledge with them. Uh, they knew he got the rope out and was like towing me along. Uh, <laughs> this little baby giraffe that kept falling over uh, into the snow. Uh, they're taking us the whole way down the mountain. Uh, and throughout the day, uh, this little lady is just showing me, this is how you ski, follow me along. Uh, baby giraffe is trying to knock over the, the lady uh, and breaking her as well. Uh, and, and as we're skiing, this mother uh, just is showing this amazing love and nurture for someone who just has no idea how to get the principles of skiing right. Uh, no matter how many times uh, I just didn't get the concept and just keep getting it wrong, she spent the whole day uh, and dragged in her husband as well to spend the day, regardless of the fact that they've come all the way to Switzerland as well, uh, from America, to teach Spent a day teaching two random Australians that have got themselves into a very precarious situation how to ski. And the thing about Nonna, uh, beyond her name literally being grandma, uh, has this great desire to nurture and care for life. And as she sees a baby giraffe uh, ready to go to the slaughter on the ski slopes of Switzerland, uh, she, she sees us and cares for us and, and helps us and nurtures for us. And there's something beautiful in, in what Nonna did for us. And, and we didn't deserve it. We did nothing like to, to earn it. We were just there and she decided, come with us. Let's go skiing together. Let's teach you how to ski. And motherhood is an amazing beautiful thing because mothers just have this innate desire to create and nurture and love life at the sacrifice of them, their own. And I think that's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, motherhood, because that sacrifice and nurture that they have is something that not only is something to, to look at the beauty and behold, but it is also something that points us to God. Uh, and I want to look at the story um, of Naomi today in the book of Ruth, uh, because as we look at the story of Naomi, we see this desire to love and nurture, this, this beautiful thing to, to help uh, nurture and grow life. Uh, all the while, we see that the pain the brokenness of the, fall, of the fallen world, our sin, because all things that we, all beautiful things that we see on this earth, are, are, are like there's problems with, you know, we, we are broken. That we live in a broken world, and so motherhood is marred by brokenness. 
Our de- our people's desires to be mothers and to, to show motherhood to people is marred by brokenness, both by the fallen world we live in uh, and by our own brokenness. And so I think Naomi is a, is a really encouraging story, and so I want to share it with you, and then we're going to uh, bring some things out of that as well. Uh, and so a few things for the book of Ruth. Uh, so first, uh, in, the, in the story of Ruth, really good, quick, easy one to read uh, if you're unfamiliar with it later on. I encourage you to go and read it. Uh, but they're, they're, in the story, God is barely mentioned. So barely talks about God. God doesn't physically act in any way, uh, doesn't talk about God doing anything at all. Uh, but we see God working through the background of, of things. Uh, and the other thing as well is that there's three main characters in the book of Ruth. So there's, there's Ruth, uh, there's Boaz, and there's Naomi. And we see the character of God exhibited in all three main characters. Uh, and so as we look at the book of Ruth, we see uh, God's, uh, how, how he acts and behaves and the things that he does and how he loves uh, his people in, in Naomi, uh, in Ruth, and in Boaz. Um, and so as we, we're going to look at the passage uh, and then we'll bring uh, a few things out of it. So Ruth chapter 1, uh, verse 1. So in the days when the judges ruled, uh, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Uh, and so Moab uh, kind of has this um, kind of descendant almost from kind of Sodom, uh, which if you've read your Old Testament is like a bad kind of place. Uh, so it's kind of from Lot's sons. Um, uh, and so Lot has two daughters. Uh, they actually sleep with Lot um, and have descendants through that. And so it's kind of like a lineage of people uh, who aren't super great. Uh, and they're living with um, some people that aren't super good people. Uh, the man's uh, name, so the, the husband's name was Elimelech. Uh, his wife name was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Marlon and Kilion. Uh, and so Marlon and Kilion are actually not Jewish uh, or Israelite names. They're, in fact, Canaanite names. So they're names from pe- for people outside of Israel. Um, and so already here, uh, they have moved away from God's land. They've moved away from, from calling people God's... Like they, they haven't used uh, kind of names within God's people uh, to name their children, and they're living um, amongst uh, people who are traditionally seen uh, for the the Israelites as ungodly people. so as we continue on, so uh, they, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, uh, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women. So once again, marrying outside of Jewish people reinforces the idea they're not living God's way. Uh, so they, they married Moabite women, one named uh, Orpah uh, and the other named Ruth. And they had lived there about 10 years. But Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Uh, and at this point, uh, we, we see what would be almost a, a fairly natural Old Testament story where, where someone does a bunch of ungodly things and someone drifts away from God and rejects God. And quite often there's suffering that follows. Uh, and so naturally, if in, a, in a traditional Old Testament story, uh, we'd almost think of it as natural consequences and, and Naomi's precarious position as something that she's brought on herself or that her husband has brought on her. And as when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord uh, had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Uh, and so uh, it's worth noting once again here, so uh, back in ancient Near Eastern times, uh, without land and without a husband, uh, your identity was, was nothing, which is really sad and, and really difficult if you are a widow uh, without any sons. Now, Naomi has a chance uh, to kind of bring uh, some sort of identity and land and, and some way of, of making a living for herself if she keeps her daughters-in-law with her and they remarry and they decide to look after her. But this is what Naomi does. So then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. 
Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you and to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and Ruth clung to her. And so Naomi sees that there is more chance for her daughters-in-law to live a life of of, um, protection and security if Naomi isn't with them. For Naomi, it's better if the daughters-in-law stay with her, but for the daughters-in-law, they have a better chance of surviving if they go back to their own people and leave Naomi to die. And Naomi, in, in true motherhood sense, though they're not her own biological kids, she chooses to love and care for them in the most sacrificial way possible and says, you will have a better life if you leave me. You will survive and have a higher chance of survival if you leave me and let me die. And so Naomi, in the greatest act of motherhood possible, tells her daughter-in-laws to leave her. And as we go through the story of Ruth, Ruth clings to Naomi and goes back home with Naomi despite the precarious position that it would be for Ruth. She chooses to risk all things to go with Naomi and to look after her. And Naomi continues to show love and care for Ruth and continues to try and bring an opportunity for her to find a man who happens to be Boaz. And Naomi helps Ruth to be uh, betrothed and married to, to Boaz, and they, they live happily ever after, and they have kids, and uh, both Ruth and Naomi uh, have a life of security and protection, and it all ends happily. But throughout that story, Naomi chooses to sacrificially love and care for Ruth, her daughter-in-law. And the thing that we see in all of that is that, that Naomi loves and cares for Ruth and the other daughter-in-law. She shows love and care throughout all things. But at the same time, the story is, is marred by the fact that they're in a fallen world. And it's marred by the fact that there is sin in the world as well. And motherhood is like that, and all things are like that, where motherhood is a beautiful, great thing. And as we've heard uh, from those ladies speak, it is a beautiful thing, and there are so many things to be in awe of, how they sacrificially love their children. But as they said, there, is, there are hard times. There are painful things that happen in motherhood, and our desires for motherhood aren't always what we wish they would be. And there are things in ourselves that, and our own brokenness that, that leads uh, to motherhood also. Like there, there are mistakes that we all make. And in motherhood, there are mistakes that are made and, and that causes problems as well. And in the story of Naomi, she would look at herself and look at what have I done for my sons? I've, I've taken them away from God and now they have died. And God has punished me. And motherhood is marred uh, by a fallen and broken world. And sometimes motherhood is painful. And sometimes our experience of motherhood is painful. But despite that, despite the fact that, that, that we are in a fallen world and despite the fact that we are all sinners and all broken, motherhood is something that reflects the image of God. Motherhood is something that reflects the image of God. The, the things that we see, this sacrificial creation of life, the, the, the desire to create life and the desire to sacrificially nurture children and baby giraffes is this thing that we reflect the image of God with. When we see mothers showing this sacrificial love and care for people, when we see, uh, when we see these mothers care for their children when we see these mothers take other children in and care and love them, it is a reflection of the image of God. See, God made us in his image so that we would reflect who he is and display who he is. 
And God is a, a creator. God creates life. God has a desire to create life despite the cost of what it brings. God, throughout the Bible, continues to sacrificially nurture uh, his people. He helps them to grow. He watches them continue. If you read through the Old Testament, it reminds you of parenting teenagers. God's relationship with the, with the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, it's literally a bunch of teenagers where they just forget God, you know, everything goes wrong, and then they run back when, when things get really bad. And God continues to nurture and care and love his people. And the, the ultimate sacrifice is God loves his people so much and has such a desire to nurture them that he sends his son to die on the cross. God has such a desire that his children, that his people that he has made, know him, love him, enjoy goodness, enjoy a, a life of, of prosperity and this life of, of goodness and everything that comes with uh, knowing God and being with God is seeing that he sends his son to die for his children. Motherhood is something that, that is, is reflecting the image of God. All the beauty that we see in motherhood is something that reflects who God is and how much he loves us and nurtures for us, how much he desires to see life created. And in, in that, all motherhood points us to the glory of God. Uh, there's, a, there's a passage in, in Isaiah 49, verse 15, uh, and this is what it says. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And God is talking to his people who have rejected him. He's talking about their restoration and how he will come and care for them. And as, as he draws up this image of a, of a mother with her, her child, and, and as you think about a mother with her child and how much love she has for that child, how much she cares for that child in that moment when she sees her, her baby before her and how she wants to hold her baby tight and care for her and love her. And we think about that bond that no other person could have for that child and how they deeply, deeply love them. God points and says, this image is something, and what, how I love you is so much greater and more beautiful. And as we think about how that seems almost impossible, how, how could someone love uh, someone, like a, more than a mother loves a child, we, we, we are in awe even more of how much God loves and cares for his people. When we see the beauty of motherhood, when we hear from those ladies and how much they care, the, the beautiful things that they, that they do for their kids, the way they sacrifice their lives for their kids, the ways that they continue to nurture and, and love people in all instances, no matter the pain, no matter the sacrifice, we are reminded of how much God loves and cares for us. And so as we admire the beauty of mothers in our congregation, as we, as we look at them and, and thank them and, and honour them, we are reminded of how great God's love is for us. Uh, on Mother's Day, you may receive uh, some sort of drawing. And sometimes the drawing is not a Picasso. Sometimes the drawing... Uh, doesn't stay within the lines. Sometimes the drawing needs a bit of interpretation and an explanation of what was actually drawn. But all are images that are drawn and all are people's attempts to reflect the love that they have. Every image that you are given on Mother's Day is a, is a mother's love for their, their mom, or a child's love for their mom and, and wanting to, to show something that they love them. And though they are not perfect, they are still images. And they are still reflective of God's love. And I want to encourage you, because all forms of motherhood, whether it be just nurturing a friend's child, whether it be nurturing their own child, whether it be just a desire to, to love and care, whatever it is, all are images of God. 
all point us to the glory of God. Sometimes that we feel like the image that, that we might reflect is as a little bit of a scribble, Sometimes we feel, but it is still an image of God and all motherhood points us to the glory of God. All motherhood is, is beautiful and points us to the glory of God. All motherhood is worth honouring. All motherhood is worth celebrating because it points us to who God is and his sacrifice of us. So as we think about motherhood today, let us celebrate mothers. Let us be in awe of mothers and all that they do because it is something that is beautiful. It is unfathomable to think about what it is and what it involves and the sacrifice that it brings. But also let's celebrate what it points us to. Motherhood points us to the glory and the greatness of our God and how he created us. I'm going to pray and the worship team is is going to come up. We'll sing one more song. Father, we want to thank you for mothers. We want to thank you for how they teach us, how they nurture us, how they love us. We want to thank you for the sacrifices that they make. We want to thank you for how they continue to to dig deep and, and love people despite what may come about, despite the difficulty that children may bring despite the the tensions or the the feelings of inadequacy, no matter what happens, we thank you that mothers continue to love and care and nurture sacrificially. Lord, we want to honour them. We want to thank them. We want to care for them as they do that. And Lord, we want to thank you not only for what they do, but for how they point us to you. How they point to a a God who is a creator, who, who creates new life and brings new life who has a desire to to continue to create and love us and care for us. We also want to thank you that, that they point us to the love and care that you have for your people. Despite how much we fall short, despite how many times we we do the wrong thing and walk away, uh, you are like a mother that cares deeply for their children. You are like a mother who who wants to hold their children tight and love and nurture them and bring them to you. So much so that you would sacrifice your son for us. So Lord, we thank you. We give you honour and praise and we thank you for the gift of mothers. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand.